two different places here this evening. Where I would have finished up the slide presentation would have tied into this message. If you remember, we're going to be reading Genesis 19 at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, dealing with Lot and his wife tonight. And um, one of the places that's a fairly new, there's always new stuff. You can see the excavations taking place everywhere there. It's just fascinating to see. And they have found what is considered the world's oldest gate. Um, and so I have a video clip of it and a picture of it, and you can see it. And it was at one time just completely buried. They unearthed it. They got most of it unearthed. They have it protected now from weather up above it. And what's amazing is they were talking about how this thing happened to last all of these years because it's from the time of Abraham. And the other gates of this city were already demolished. And they said, actually, it looks like they had a bit of a problem with it, so they had isolated it. And because of what the steps they were taking, it allowed that, that gate to actually stand the test of time when it got buried as time went on. And so they uncovered it. And, so, and where it was is, would have been where Lot was taken captive. So when Lot was taken captive, Abraham had to hit one of those gates. There was two of them. He either went through that one or another one. So you can actually look at a gate ground, though, that Abraham himself, when he took his 318 servants to rescue Lot, what he traveled through. I mean, you're looking right at it. It's not, we're not talking anything touched or made up. They did not go in and add to it or anything. You're looking at the actual gate once they had unearthed it, uh, the archaeologists. So it was just fascinating. Along with that, again, let's go into Genesis chapter 19. And let's pick it up. Um, let's pick it up midway through the story here. Um, as we know, in Genesis chapter 18, the Lord had let Abraham know he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Their time had come. They had passed the point. Uh, judgment was going to hit um, because of how wicked it was. And as I mentioned the other night, you know, you can see what's taking place right now. Uh, the, if you ever wanted to know what reprobation looked like, I believe we're seeing it, especially with the transgender movement. Um, and uh, anyhow, Sodom and Gomorrah too was filled with sexual sins, horrible, horrible perversions, and the Lord decided, I have to judge it. This is it. And so Abraham, as you know, pleads with the Lord, and, and from 50 to 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, and the Lord has said, if there's just ten, I won't destroy it. But there wasn't. The Lord knew that. So Genesis 19 comes, and the Lord does, and as the Lord always does, He always delivers His people out of wrath. It's not for them. So He sends the angels uh, to Lot. And, you know, even the wicked men wanted to take the angels. It was just, and, and Lot is so, I mean, reading Genesis 19 at times is just so difficult to see where Lot arrived. I mean, he offered his daughters. I mean, just... Uh, it's just stunning at times where you look where he ended up. And when we pick it up, now they're leaving the city. And verse 12 says, And the men said, These are the angels unto Lot. Hast thou here any, any besides, uh, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring out of this place? For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons, 
sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son, his sons-in-law. Isn't that true today? When we, we preach the Lord, we just seem as to the world as those who are foolish. And when in the morning arose, the angels hastened, Lot, the, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of, this, of the city. While he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand. Think of that. Why he lingered. The men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful unto him, they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought him forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto him, O not so, my Lord, behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shewed unto me, in saving my life, I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little, a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. It is not a little one, and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city uh, for thou which thou hast spoken. Has uh, hasty escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. I mean, you could just imagine that scene taking place. I mean, we're not talking about, it's not just a Bible story. This is something that actually took place with God destroying that city. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground, everything was destroyed. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Let's tie this in with Luke 17 now. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. Verse number 28. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day which he shall... In that day, he which shall be upon the housetops and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. So we have here, example, what, what took place in Sodom and Gomorrah. Christ now referencing that in relation to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the idea of looking back, of, 
uh, you know, you can tell the reference that Christ was making to Lot and his wife, even hesitating leaving, not, not, not rushing. And the angels were like, we don't have time for anything. They grab them and say, we have to get out of here now. Let's go. It's time to destroy it. We're not waiting anymore. Uh, we cannot do this thing till you're gone, but we're taking you out of here right now. But I want us to think about Lot and his wife prior to Sodom and Gomorrah. From the time that this man traveled with Abraham, Lot was truly around, and his family, one of the giants of the faith, Abraham. An incredible man. A man who was searching for a city whose builder and maker was God. A man who, the Bible, of course, shows us his faults at times. But he was a man of faith. When we look at Lot, at Lot's life, we see a man who Spurgeon had called, he had a lean to religion. He had to lean on others for his strength and his faith. He seemed fine when he was with Abraham, but when that influence was gone, he was weak. We don't know exactly when Lot married his wife. There's arguments on both sides. All right, whether that was before or after he left with Abraham. There's not a direct reference to his wife when he traveled with Abraham, so many think he actually married after that time, but we just don't know. There comes the time, and it's a, it's a, I have a whole other sermon I preach on this, the day that Lot and Abraham separate. Because I personally do not believe the way the Scripture leads that Abraham should have brought Lot with him. Um, he was clearly commanded to separate from family. Um, but he brought his nephew, Lot. And as, as God's blessing was on Abraham, you know, it was growing, but God still wasn't giving him clear direction yet. And so as you read the story, Lot's, you know, there's Lot's servants, and Abraham, they start fighting. It's, it's just a mess. And Abraham says, listen, we've got we to separate. This isn't working. And Lot told him, or Abraham told Lot, he was, you can see his, his thinking of others, his humility and his kindness. He said, just pick whatever direction you want, to, you want to go with all that's yours, and I'll just go the other way. And this is where we see the first time an indication of Lot's lack of character. Because just like everybody knows about the city of San Francisco, the city of Las Vegas, the city of New Orleans... Everybody knew about Sodom and Gomorrah. It was well known. And Lot said, well, there's really good fields that direction, though. Listen, he didn't care about the fields. We're going to head that way. We're going to head that way. Abraham says, fine, I'll go the other direction. Now, what's important in that story, it's a whole other message. I'm, I, maybe I should just preach that one right now. I like it. What I found interesting is the very next verse, once Lot leaves, it's at that point the next verse says, now, the Lord tells Abraham, lift up your eyes. Now let me show you what I have for you. Many times there's a lot in our life, something the Lord's told us to separate from, but we keep it with us. And so they separate, and before we know it, Lot is living in Sodom and Gomorrah. He's living there. No more tent dwelling, 
He is the best the world could offer of his day. He could argue, I am taking care of my family. I got my wife out of a tent. We're behind a, we're behind a great wall. We live in a regular house for our day. I mean, the tent living would have been burdensome. It would have been inconvenient. However, there was a tremendous cost, the Bible teaches us, on the soul of Lot for his decision. His soul is vexed. The wickedness of where he's living. No doubt the conviction is spirit screaming at him, get out. The Lord even provided a chance for his entire family to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Take those opportunities when God gives them. That was when he was captured. When he was captured, you can see the Lord's mercy in it. He's captured. Abraham, by the way, but at this time, I remember it was, it might have been one of our men. I don't, I don't mean to uh, um, let you know you preached something wrong, but you did. <laughs> I'm not. Nothing bad, but Abraham had, only had servants. Abraham wasn't a man of battle yet. This is really a test of fighting at this time. See, what I love about that example is Abraham's faith. To me, that's one of the best demonstrations of the faith of Abraham. Because he has to take on, what was it, three kings? I can't remember, three or four kings. Three kings, I think it was. might have been four. Three to four different armies. He has, he counts them up. All right, so how many servants do we, servants do we have? He doesn't say count up the men of war. He has 318. Now, no doubt they practice fighting skills and whatnot. You know, that, that would have been common, but this is not an army. This is not what they're dedicated to. They're dedicated to Abraham ministering. Abraham is, God has been blessing Abraham. His wealth is growing by livestock and whatnot. He has 318. He, he could have said, you know what? God's not in this. If, if God wanted me in this, I would have 30,000 and not 300. There's no way we can take on these armies. The Lord's not in it. But he never does that. He goes, how many we got? 318? Let's go. Get them. And he doesn't lose a single person. And he rescues Lot and his family. You know what Lot could have did right there? Left Sodom. He was gone. I mean, he certainly couldn't say, but we have the protection of those walls versus a tent. Uh, those walls didn't help you too much. What you need is God's protection in your life. Lot heads right back. Then that's when we get into God saying, you know what, I'm destroying this place. And we already know we read what happened as the Lord sent the angels to get them out of there. And the destruction hits. Lot's wife turns back. She is killed for her decision. She, they were told not to. But then what's interesting is when Christ referring to those events, he makes that statement, remember Lot's wife. So we're told by the Lord Jesus Christ, that when you think on this and in the return of Jesus Christ, you need to think about Lot's wife. So what is it about her life that the Lord wants us to think about as the time of his coming draws close? Because it is. 
And when His coming does come, we know the rapture will hit suddenly. And really, even the return, even though we know from Scripture, remember, the, the, the world is going to be delusional, like many are already. They're going to be delusional. They're going to believe the lie of the Antichrist. So that is also very true at the literal second coming. We don't think that because we can put it together theologically. I mean, we basically can tell almost to the day, once the rapture, it's when he's returning. The world's going to be delusional. They're not going to have a clue when that day hits. And it, you want to talk about sudden? Remember what we point out in 2 Thessalonians when we're going through it. It points out in 2 Thessalonians, when he does return, he's not even going to speak. He's just going to breathe. And it's over with. Just like that. Sudden destruction. So why does the Bible tell us to think about Lot's wife during this time that we live in right now? Why does it say, I mean, if you're a Catholic, it say, think on Mary. Think on Sarah. The Lord doesn't say that, does he? You better remember Lot's wife. I think there's things we can learn from it and try and make applications in our day for the world we live in, especially with the wickedness that is here. For her day, her city would be much like those in America, the bigger cities. A place that is concerned with pleasure, a place that has plenty of money, a place that could care less about God, would just soon mock any time they hear anything about the Lord. And it's in this place that Lot has his family. So let's remember some things about Lot's wife. This is just a few that we'll go over here this evening, and then we'll be done. I didn't plan on this being long with the uh, videos and pictures tonight. But here's some things I think that will help us. Not exhaustive. I could preach probably a series on what we should remember about Lot's wife. The first thing I want to point out is this. To remember Lot's wife. He doesn't refer to another. He doesn't say remember the women of Sodom and Gomorrah. He, he doesn't say remember the culture. Remember Lot's wife. One thing when I think of her is I know this. In many ways, she had a great deal of privilege, especially spiritually. She had, for her day, probably the best possible religious teaching. She listened to Abraham. Abraham was a man much different than any pastor today, any man today. God talked directly with him. When they would listen to Abraham teach and preach, I mean, this is a man who God spoke with, a friend of God, a man of faith. She heard him speak, she heard him preach. She was still there when Abraham shows up with 318 servants to rescue. Amazing. Knowing the call that Abraham followed when he left Ur of the Chaldees, the pagan, pagan ways, she saw his faith. I mean, you could be there. You know when Lot would ask him, so 
Talking with God. How's that? Her husband, too, to some degree, I can't give him a whole lot of credit, was a man of faith. The Bible calls him righteous. We certainly live in a day today where the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God is available. It abounds. In many places throughout our own country, it's certainly not true anymore of all places by any means, but in the majority of places in our nation, you can find a church. Bibles are everywhere. There's probably not a single town in America where you can't go to a store and buy a Bible. Resources, examples, we can go on and on. We also learn, you might be the relative of some incredibly godly person, but that doesn't transfer to you. You might have godly parents, but no earthly relationship is a substitute for your own personal conversion and your personal relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That's what it is. The key isn't that flesh. It's being born of the Spirit. We can see throughout Scripture, those who had great privilege spiritually speaking around the things of God, where they hear it, they saw it, yet just... Incredible the decisions they would make. How about Elisha's servant? I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, he just witnessed Elisha take on the Syrian army with his blindness thing. And he's going to go steal some garments. What in the world? He's around Elisha. Something wasn't clicking. Demas. He's around the Apostle Paul. And yet, he forsook him, having loved this present world. Obviously, Judas Iscariot. Wow. The miracles. I mean, all that he saw. And yet, even to get to the point of absolute betrayal. So Lot's wife, she shared in Lot's privilege. She also, men, shared in his errors. I believe a, a whole lot of this falls on Lot. That was almost... <laughs> Much of this falls on Lot. Lot could have said, we're not going the way of Sodom. I bet you... In Lot's mind, you know, I've been around Abram. I can handle it. It's all right. I can have that direction. I can handle it. It'll be all right. 
He was very wrong. And even if he could, what we do learn, his wife couldn't handle it. Different commentaries take different positions, and we really just don't know. We don't have enough. Some say the problem was all Lot with his leading. Some say, nope, it was his wife that was leading Lot. We just don't have enough in Scripture to, for us to make a determination either way about that. Maybe she told Lot, I'm tired of living in a tent. I want to be more fashionable. Well, we can do this. I, want to, I, you know, I just want to be with the world of our day, Lot. Abraham's a really, really good man. He really is. But he's so old-fashioned. Listen, Sodom is right there. Do you know the difference we could make if we were there? I mean, I'm just speculating here. I have no idea which this way. It could have been like, it, it, you know, I, I don't know. She might not have went south till she got in there. It might have been Abraham telling her. She might have been warning Lot, saying we shouldn't do this. I don't think it's good for our family. And then once she got in, he lost her. Perhaps they did not enjoy the rigid lifestyle under Abraham. Just think, Lot, how helpful this will be for our girls. Think of the education they could get in Sodom. Yeah. Listen, Lot. Or maybe vice versa. Again, I, I don't know which way this went. But... You know, the world's just passing Abraham by right now. Really, he doesn't even know where he's going. I mean, you can see some of the appeal. No longer wander a family just roaming around in tent, chasing around animals. I get that. Lot, you can get involved in so much. You can get involved in government. You can get involved in so much in the town and in the city. We do know Lot certainly did not lead his family in a spiritual way. There's certainly evidence of that based on the exodus out of Sodom and Gomorrah. His family suffered for his errors. The responsibility for his family falls on Lot. Men, the decisions you make in your family are crucial. Stay in the will of God. Get wise counsel for decisions. Remember, when it comes to Lot's wife, the day in which she lived. Being in Sodom and Gomorrah was a place, again, of much wickedness. Again, the only place we, we can have understanding when we do look at places like San Francisco, Las Vegas, New Orleans. Cities that are world-renowned for one thing, 
wickedness. And it's everywhere. I, I remember I remember even giving a counsel to an individual not to move to one of those cities. He had an opportunity to go to another place in a much better location, in a good church, all that. And he went that way. It wasn't, it wasn't a year. And the call comes in just weeping because of sin. We get the idea by the wording of the text with Lot's reaction to her, the angel's reaction, of almost, almost as if she was lagging behind. The fact is, Lot should have been with her, especially during such a dramatic time. He should have been right there and very close. He should be one telling her, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back. Men, don't get into a place where your wife or your children are lagging behind and you're not in a position to even notice. It's really sad in our day to day. I think many times the opposite is true. The men are lagging behind. Perhaps one of the things that, that many conclude when looking at the life of Lot's wife, is that looking back was very symbolic of her still missing that life, what she had, knowing it was being destroyed. If that being the case, that does teach us a lot. Concerned about the lifestyle she had, the possessions she had, the materialism. More concerned about that than even her very soul. We can get so caught up in the things of this world that can grab you so tight that you never stop to consider your soul. By looking back, we do know this. She was disobedient. She was disobedient. There was no ambiguity in the instruction. The command was clear. They knew what was happening. It's going to be destroyed. There's no vagueness here. Do not look back. So there was a disobedience uh, uh, action that occurred. It is never good when you start looking back from a direction that God has called you. The children of Israel did this when the Lord led them out of Egypt. They, get, they were all excited, actually. Remember, they wanted deliverance. They were begging God for deliverance. God delivers them. All of a sudden, it gets tough following the Lord. That happens. It gets difficult at times. There's challenges. There's mountains to face. There's battles to take place. And they started looking back to Egypt. Oh, I remember the watermelons, though. He forgot about the scars all over his back from getting whipped as a slave. It's never good to look back when God has called you in a certain direction. 
their mindset change, and you can see quickly the Lord's, I don't know what word to use here, disappointment, frustration, anger, when all that he went through to deliver them. And they start wanting Egypt again. I mean, and I'm just thinking, the think about when they're getting ready to go in and they saw the giants. Let us make a captain and head back. What? Clearly, you know, Moses does not know what he's doing. I mean, we're headed in this direction right here. It was so much better in Egypt than having to take on these giants. They were so wrong. I can think in different places when the Lord's made movements with us, when MPNG, you never looked back. You didn't do that. You didn't, never allowed your mind to go there. Never did. You can't. Same thing once the Lord led to Alaska. Every, every now and then. You know, it's always when the battles and the giants come up. You lean back and think, mm, PNG looks good right now. You can't do that. Doesn't matter where you go, you're going to face battles and giants. I knew a family, never in our church, but good, good people. We're talking saved good people, though. Come to Alaska for ministry. And even with talking, communicating, the wife kept looking back. Looking back. Looking back. And you knew if that doesn't change, it's just a matter of time. And that never changed. It was just a matter of time and gone. We see not only a measure of, of disobedience that was there, the concern for the old life, it also shows that there was a measure of unbelief. I just The reason why I say that is, the unbelief comes in the fact of ignoring the warning. Of, I, I, I personally believe that if she actually truly believed, if I look back, I'm dead. She doesn't look back. So often, of course, that was an example of an immediate God's judgment falling immediately. But you know, like from books of Ecclesiastes and in everyday life, because of the Lord's long suffering and mercy, that we tend to take advantage of the grace of God because judgment is not executed speedily. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, after Romans chapter 5, dealing with grace and salvation, just amazing. So he starts off Romans 6, verse 1, giving a warning out. Well, what should we say? Should we continue in something grace may mount? God forbid. No. I believe by looking back, one of the clearest things that it does show to us, even though she had all that privilege, all the preaching, the teaching, it was right, you know, being around Abraham, all that took place. But with the decision by Lot to move, he set his wife up to be in a place where she was in bondage to the things of this world. This world is here for such a short time regardless. It's here and gone. Your life is as a vapor. It's going to be gone so quick. 
really, and, and think about that. The only thing that's going to matter when it's all said and done is what you did for Christ. That's it. Richard, you are how old right now? And Bob, you are how old right now? 83 and 82 years old. I bet you remember being in the Navy just like it was yesterday. Yeah, it goes quick, doesn't it? It's just so fast. I mean, I can't remember my age at the marriage retreat, so I think I'm 53. Is that right? Did I hit that right that time? <laughs> I was a year off, whatever it was. I was a year younger. But it goes quick. I mean, it seems like it, it just doesn't seem like it was, you know, back in 95 when I'm arriving in Alaska. It's so quick. The most precious thing you have this side of glory is time. That's what you have. Don't allow that time to be stolen by the bondage of the world. Her death, when we remember it though, another thing I think you remember about Lot's wife, which perhaps was a point of Christ, when judgment did hit, it was sudden and it was shocking. I mean, think of Lot right there. What he went through in that moment. And yeah, I believe Lot had a lot of guilt taking place in his life. She turned and it was over with. Judgment hit. Well, the Lord wasn't very gracious. Oh, yes, he was. From pleading with them to get out. Them lingering around. Allowing him the, the opportunity, those years earlier, to get out of Sodom. When he, when he was taken captive. Let me close with this conclusion. What we learn, we need to avoid the snares of this world, whether that's pleasure, whether that's materialism. Avoid the snares. She was in, a, for her day to be under Abraham, she was in a good place. It's, it's not just being in the place. It's not just being at Independent Baptist Church. It's going to do it. It's not. You can easily leave bitter, mad, whatever. Take your pick. It's still what you choose to do when you're here. We also learn from this, we need men of God to make really good decisions for their home. To protect their wife. To protect their children. Decisions based on faith, based on God. We also learn from this how easy it could be to justify a wicked lifestyle. Just like that. And lastly, we learn we need to see judgment is coming. The Lord is returning, and we do need to be ready. It's all about Him. And by the way, think about this. When we are in heaven, of course, we have the, the, what should be a, a terror to us. It, it should be a mixture of things, I suppose, and that is the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a different judgment than the world, of course. But that still should be a terror for us. I mean, before Almighty God, who knows everything, to give an account of how you live for the one who redeemed you with his own blood. 
that statement might not mean a lot to you now, even if you're saved, but boy, it will in that moment. And from Revelation, different places, once that concludes, once that judgment, once you're, you're done, once God's done with you at the judgment seat of Christ and on to the next, that's your judgment for eternity. Do you understand that? For eternity. You're with Him forever. That's where you're at for eternity. Right now, we have such an amazing opportunity to walk by faith. That will be done in heaven. Over with. So even now when we face the trials and temptations and say, Lord, you know, you're mine. I'm not quitting. Lord, you know, you're, you're making it about him. Do you know in heaven that's going to be really easy to do? It is. <clears throat> so as the Lord said, remember Lot's wife. With heads bowed and eyes closed.